Hello, adventurer. Come and have a seat at our table as we welcome you to another episode of Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. And this week we're discussing the main DM types that you may encounter at your table and how to play with them. Now, in retrospect to last week, or last episode, rather, we were talking about the main player types. And you as a DM, Jaren, you've experienced and encountered many different player types because you've DM'd a couple different campaigns and you play with other uh, players outside of me and our group. So now I think finally I get to have a topic that I feel like I've maybe experienced a little bit more than you have, which is different DM types. I know you have, you've been in, have you officially DM'd more than you've been in? No, I've definitely uh, still played more, I think, at this point. I've, I've, we're, we're coming to the end of our second full campaign and I've done a few one shots here and there, but I think still my, my, my playing exceeds my running the game. But that said, I've, I've really just played with a couple of different DMs. So I think you've got the upper hand on a broader variety of experience with different DM types. Well, and even playing with a couple different people, um, I still think that people's DM style can change even mid, uh, mid-campaign, I think. Now, just like last episode, I kind of want to review and say that none of these types are a set-in-stone thing. None of these types are, are like specific labels that you know you should feel that you should or should not ascribe yourself to. These are just patterns of behavior that I have noticed and that I have kind of taken taken note of and made labels in my head. And that's how I navigate some of these situations. I feel like, oh, this DM is this is this style, so I might change my change my play style up a little bit so that they so that we can foster a good game together. Um, and none of these, of course, are judgments. These are just flat out like I have noticed this pattern of behavior. And this is what I like to call it, and this is how I would play with it, so that everyone has a good time together. Of course, not saying that any one of these is good or bad or better or worse. They are just different styles, and any one of these can be super effective and make for a great game. Yeah, absolutely. So, having said that, my first one that I, I guess I have on my list, I have, I have five common ones that I, I generally think about when I think of DMs. My first one is the the heavy role play the the DMPC the 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 one where it is quite obvious that there may be a self insert from the DM in the story because they love RPing just as much as everybody else at the table. You might notice this by um, all of the the voices, all of the characters. They are so ready to jump into and either give a voice to, give a background to, or have all of these minute minutia details of the NPC that tripped and fell in mud and the party started talking to. I think this type of DM, their playstyle leans a little bit away from combat and more into problem solving face-to-face or obstacles being overcome based off of talking or using skills that are not combat-focused. Yeah, and I think... A lot of DMs probably fall into some of this to some degree, and uh, I, I do want to say that I think uh, DMs that run RP-heavy, uh, you know, sessions and like to do all those voices, 
absolutely, I'm here for it. I think you might notice that it becomes like more of a negative thing when they've been having a conversation with all their NPCs and none of the players for 10 minutes, you know, and that's kind of awkward. Right. Uh, they they have their, their self-insert talking to the town guard for, for about 10 minutes and the players have not said a single word. I mean, you know, again, none of these are good or bad. They all have their strengths and they all have their weaknesses. And I think that noticing these can can be effective as a player and as a DM to know what type that you may fall into to see if you'd like to either change or dive deeper into, into what you like. Now, the, the heavy RPer, I think, can have a lot of fun with their players. I do think sometimes, I know that for me, when I first started, I was not really a role player. I wanted to be the block of stats. I wanted to use my cool things, make the cool thing happen. And then the party was like, wow, Britain, thanks so much for using the cool thing. You know, I didn't really understand role play that much and I didn't really get into it. So I, I remember playing with a very role play heavy DM and I felt so intimidated. I had no idea what to do. I felt like any voice that I did would not really be what I was going for or was not going to be good enough. So I, I think that navigating a, a roleplay heavy DM, just all of your players may need to be on the same page. And if they're not on the same page, see if how you can maybe facilitate not directing conversations towards the non-RPers. So yeah, if you're if you're a player going into that situation, knowing that you're gonna play with somebody that likes to do a lot of RP, or even knowing that they maybe crossover into the boundary of doing a bit too much. What, what, what are some things that you do as a player to prepare for that mentally? Or even to, you know, adjust your play style and your, your strategy going into the game? Well, now, fortunately, I love roleplay. I love, you know, imagining and improving my monologue on the spot and to give this masterclass in emotional vulnerability to my friends. I love doing that. Now, I I try to as a as a player working with a DM that that also is RP heavy, I try to make sure that me as a player I'm not taking up too much time. You know, there is there is a pitfall for players that like to do that to engage and you just engage so much and it kind of just becomes like a one-sided conversation and maybe other players feel a little bit left out. And I think that if you know that you are that type of DM, to include the ones that like to be included. I think in our, we had a, a Storm King, in, in Storm Kings, at least one of the players was not a, uh, I'm going to show up and role play. They were like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to say my witty thing and I'm going to do the cool thing and then I'm going to duck out of combat. And you as a DM, I noticed that, especially now with Rhyme, there's, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of things going on. You had to shift the way that you did that for for that character so you weren't, directing a lot of conversation towards them. You were not direct you are not asking direct questions to them. They just needed to feel included in the conversation to either accept or decline a conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I try to make sure that uh, people are getting what they're here for. You know, if they're not here to roleplay, I'll I'll give them more of the, the other the other good meaty stuff. Uh, the swinging with the swords and killing stuff. And uh when it comes to roleplay, I'll, I'll I'll make sure that they're at least included, but maybe not spotlighted. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, I would say the opposite side of the coin in terms of 
of like RP to non would be the what I sometimes refer to as the adversary or the me versus you. Um, I think that especially with fifth edition being so combat focused, I think we've we've talked about like our beefs with 5e, you know, it being so combat focused, I think that sometimes DMs can get into the mindset of I have created this dungeon, I have created this creature, I've created all these encounters to line up and be uh, intimidating or be uh, a challenge for my players. I think that sometimes DMs may slide into the adversarial role of I need to be the BBEG or I need to, I am fighting against my players rather than setting up things for them to knock down. Um, when players overcome obstacles, I think that sometimes, um, this is just my assumption based off of, again, patterns of behavior and reactions that I've had at the table. Sometimes I feel like some DMs can take the overcoming of their obstacles as personal or as they didn't make it hard enough or they weren't intimidating enough. But I think that as a player, maybe thanking them or outwardly reacting to the scary things. If it's intimidating to you, say that. Um, and if it's, you know, not, maybe keep that inside and don't be like, oh, that was easy. Or, wow, I can't believe we blew through that. You know, it, it takes time for DMs to come up with these puzzles and come up with these monsters and narrative reasons for the party to interact with these things. So I think as players to interact with the adversarial DM, giving them props because if they like combat, that's their thing. And they shouldn't feel like the wind is taken out of their sails because, you know, the party overcame their obstacle. The the DMs should still feel like a player. I mean, that's their role. Their, their role is the DM. So their role is to create the puzzles for the party to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. It is a tough challenge coming up with encounters that uh, feel challenging enough to be satisfying when you actually overcome them, but not so difficult that we're running into TPK territory every time. So it's, it's, it's a very slippery slope, you know, as the DM trying to come up with these things to try to, you know, make challenges that are, are difficult, but not too difficult. And then when, it, you know, it could just be a simple, um, well, the party rolled really well and me as the DM, I didn't roll well at all. Uh, and that's why the party breezed through. So you think, well, I got to make it harder next time. Um, or it could be, I'm putting this monster in specifically because they do some really, really cool things. And, oh, darn, you killed them in the first round. I didn't get to do the cool things. Now I'm disappointed. I feel like my time was wasted, you know. Uh, that's really easy territory to slip into. And I think if, uh, or if you're just wondering, if you're the DM and you're kind of wondering, was that challenging enough? Am I kind of pushing things too far? Did I you know, make it too hard for my players? Was it not fun that their character died and they weren't, you know, didn't want to happen? If you're wondering that, I think a simple solution is just talk to your players after the game. Say, hey, was that, how how did that, that encounter feel? Was that challenging? Did it feel really rewarding, you know, overcoming that? Or was it a walk in the park and you guys are kind of tired of killing things in the first round every single time and taking no damage? You know, ask for feedback. We're allowed to do that. Y you can absolutely have a conversation with your players and find out if, what you're doing is working and it's satisfying. Right. And I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to, I feel like we <laughs> talk about this every single time, but I'm going to bring it up again. Massive D&D content outputters, um, I guess production companies such as Dimension 20, Critical Role, all these names that we know and love. What we are not seeing 
when we are watching these episodes, what we are not seeing is all of the conversations that happen off camera and off screen, things like that. Like, I am sure that like the week before they record for Critical Role, Matt's probably doing a check-in saying, hey, was this too much? Um, should we move things in a different direction? How are we all feeling? How about that last encounter? Was this too much? You know, obviously they're trying to curate a story for to, to be consumed. However, they are also, they're still playing a game just because the DM is taking off their DM hat and like, I guess, metagaming and saying, hey, how was that? Did that feel natural? Did that feel okay? That's okay. Talk to your players. That is 100% okay to do. I feel like more DMs should do that. I would love it if more DMs did that rather than just kind of either bottling up or assuming. You're not going to make the story or the experience feel any better if you feel um, like on a pedestal or behind a curtain. I'm not going to feel like you're still my friend. You're still a person that I know and respect. Like we can, yeah, we can we're, talk. So we're, we're gods in the world that we're running, but not in real life. It's totally okay to uh, get yourself off the pedestal and uh, say, hey, I'm not the best at this. How am I doing? Is, is right. what I'm doing working, you know? We're, yeah. we're not all uh, Matt Mercer and Brendan Lee Mulligans. God, yeah. But and, even them, I'm sure they talk to the players too. Yeah, absolutely. Now, an, another DM type that I really wanted to talk about that I've experienced semi-recently. This is an interesting experience for me because for the most part, I've only had flexible DMs. DMs that are uh, wavering in the rules that they really lean on or rules that they don't things that they enforce, things that they do not. Um, I've recently started to experience a, what I call a raw DM or a rules as written DM. Creatures have the hit points that they have. Damage is dealt the way it is dealt. You either do or do not get disadvantage or advantage. There is no rule of cool. There is no um, making up things on the spot. Now, some strengths that I can see with that is consistency. Something that is immeasurably frustrating as a player is a DM that is not consistent with their rules or consistent with their rulings. I know that I've experienced that before where uh, a DM has not been super consistent. They're like, oh, well, I allow it this time. I mean, I, I didn't really like it, so we're not going to allow it now. And it kind of feels like, oh, well, I got to do it before. Why can't I do it now? or even vice versa, where it's like, oh, well, I, I wasn't allowed to do that then, but now you're allowing it. So I think one of the strengths that rules of written DMs have is their consistency and their ability to know and follow the rules to create boundaries for their players. Um, that way, players are not you know flying off the handle, bringing every single homebrew thing that they can find or, or bringing in spells and magical items that they've found, things like that. Um, I think that is one of their major strengths. I think possibly a weakness of rules as written DMs is that they can get in their own heads or they can sometimes get a little too frustrated with, you know, players overcoming obstacles or, or things like that because they're, they've created boundaries for themselves and those boundaries are the player's handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, or any other like supplementary book that is produced by Wizards of the Coast. I don't know if you've experienced uh, a rules as written DM. They're very interesting to play with in terms of what they, how it feels as though they are 
imagining a world, especially if they are doing a homebrewed campaign rules as written, which is currently what I'm what I'm in. And I think it's very interesting to see how this DM will yes, their world is made up, but it is still follows the rules of fifth edition and Faerun. Um I, the 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 one or two that I can think of that I've played with, uh, it's it's I've mostly seen versions of this with newer DMs that they they you know they've got the adventure in front of them, and uh, whenever there's any question, they have to go to the text, they have to go to the book. Uh, let me see the exact wording of that spell. Let's look at the book to see what this you know this person's exact saving throw is, what their exact hit points or AC is. What is the the exact name that was in the book? I have to go look that up really quick. Um, and certainly, I, I agree with you that I kept running rules as written is is predictable, and it's you know how it's going to play out. You know what to expect every time, and that's definitely a positive thing. I would say if if you are a DM that is finding yourself very strictly and rigidly adhering to the rules, maybe more than you think that you might, just um, relax a bit and remember that the text. Or, or if if you're running homebrew, your notes that you brought to the table, remember that those that's just a skeleton. Feel free to, you know, be a little more loose with it and say, well, this is how I'm going to rule it this time. And if that's not exactly what the rules are as written, we'll go and check after the game and make sure that we're doing things consistently going forward. Or, you know, it doesn't really matter what this NPC's name is. I'm just going to make it up right now so that we keep the game flowing. And if you're a player finding yourself in that situation, Maybe it's maybe you're playing in a game with somebody that's more new. Know that in advance and just have some patience. You know, we're we're trying our best behind the screen, and have have some patience. You know, let them let them learn as they go because we're all kind of learning together. Yeah, as players, uh, we only need to know our character. As DMs, DMs need to know everyone's character as well as every single character that players ask about, and. Again, we're gods of our own worlds, but not real gods. Including the characters that don't exist yet. Yeah, including the characters that don't exist yet until you ask about them. Now they exist. So, yeah, I think uh, a good way to play with rules as written DMs, and this is even a, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself a lesson here, is just have patience. Know that they are, they are doing what makes them comfortable. And if rules and consistency and boundaries make them comfortable then I think that players need to play within those boundaries and not try to stretch them. Be okay with boundaries. Yeah, I think in that case, you uh, it, it is much more to your advantage to really know exactly how your character works. Know the exact you know, saving throws and how many dice and what the, the range is on everything. Know it inside and out. Yeah, Because exactly. your, your DM's going to stick to exactly that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now, the, the last two much like the first two are going to be kind of the the two ends of the two ends of the extremes um and i think that obviously no one whenever we talk about it, the two sides of a coin two ends of extreme nobody is one of these archetypes completely these are the the extremes to to illustrate a point now this actually came from a a Matt Colville video that you had showed me about how like storytelling. This is this is something that I started to notice after I watched that video, watching different people's DMing styles and experiencing my own 
It is the 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 railroader and the like wheeling and dealing, the fly by the seat of your pants, the story will happen as it unfolds. And the first one that I want to talk about, the railroader. This is a, a DM similar to Rules is Written, where it is consistency. The railroader is here is point A. I see point B in the distance. We will not jump track. The story is laid out as I have laid it out. The players will follow this, and we will all arrive at the destination, and we will all come to the same conclusion. Now, there there are some behavior patterns that will lend itself to the railroader. Typically, they, they keep the game moving. They will create obstacles that may deter players from doing too much side exploration that will gum up the plot. They will also try to encourage players to talk to the quote-unquote like the correct people or they will you know like Schrodinger's cat them where like no matter what you choose it's it's going to be the kind of the same same end result it's like oh right right it's like the, the I think it's called like the the quantum ogre or something where it's like no matter what path you choose you're going to get to the ogre and I think that 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 DM style the that extreme can be successful if players are wanting to get to the end of the story if they are if they would like to hand their their own creative control over to the dm and say you have the story i trust you let's clip through this like let's let us let's roll through this story i want to see the end of yeah, it and i want to get through it it's probably good if you know you've got a certain amount of time and uh you go well i've got the summer to play dnd uh, let's run this 5th edition adventure, but let's make sure that we are sticking just to the story so that we can get through this. Let's get through it in 20 sessions, or whatever it is. And you know for a fact that you don't want to do a whole bunch of weird side quests and, you know, getting into character backstory arcs that take you six months to get through before you finally get back to the main quest. Whole other topic on the idea of main quest versus side quest in D&D from the DM's perspective. But not going to go there right now because that's maybe a whole different episode. But it, it could be very good if you know that you've got a certain amount of time to play in a, in a campaign. And you kind of know ahead of time that I'm going to play with a DM that's going to keep things on track. And we're going to get through this. Yeah. Or, I mean, even if a DM has a very clear, methodical, set-out plot that they want to watch happen and they want to have their players experience, it is a like a bulleted list of things that will happen if played through in the way that's anticipated. I think that to to play with them, you you really need to yes and with them rather than the DM yes anding with the players. I think the players need to engage more with the DM than with each other. That's that's my opinion just about railroaders because uh, railroaders typically have a story lined up that they really want to do and get through. And I think sometimes players, just like actors, we can get caught up in like, this is my character, this is my art. I want to, I want to, to emote, move over, I'm emoting here. But there's also a story to get through. And the DM has prepared throughout the past week to get through this story. So... Yeah, I think if you're if you're if you really like to do a lot of heavy RP, you can totally do that with somebody that wants to stick more to the rails. Just keep your conversations concise, keep your your character to character interactions to the point and, and you know brief on topic. 
Yeah, for for players that are playing with a Railroader DM, just know that you're probably not going to have a shopping montage episode. Probably won't do that. <laughs> and that's okay. We don't always need totally them. Totally fine. And now the last DM type that I have noticed at the table and how to play with them, it is the opposite side of the coin, the opposite end of the spectrum of the Railroader, the wheeling and dealing, fly by to the seat of your pants DM, where anything goes. They've got, you know, here's the... Here's the conceit, here's the big baddie, and we'll see you when we see you. We'll get there when we get there. The, the uh, I didn't prep much, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, all I wrote down was MILF Cobalt Queen uh, and nothing else. So I guess we'll get there. Yeah, and I, I see this more with um, DMs that have been doing it for a really long time, and this is how they do it, and they're probably really good at it too. And so I'm not saying that this is a good or bad thing, it's just some people are very good and are much more comfortable at only having a couple of things written down. I am not. I need to have a, a bit more <laughs> ready to go. But uh, again, I've not been doing this as long as some of those people that could probably get away with that. I think if you're a player going into that situation, um, you probably want to have a bit more that your character wants to do and, and bring more to the table that your character personally wants to accomplish in the setting, rather than sitting back and waiting for the DM to hand you ideas and to give you narrative clues, they're going to come with some ideas for sure if you're, you know, not quite prepared as to what your character wants to do. But I think it's going to be a better time if if you're playing with a DM that wants to just, you know, more by the seat of their pants, bring more things that your character wants to do. Yeah, I think, you, you know, know, you'd actually, um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that how you say that you're not, you're not the, the wheeling and dealing fly by the seat of your pants DM uh, and how players should have something ready to go. It's something that you've actually implemented is just, you know, hey, this next session, we've got some things coming up. Let me know what your character wants to do. Things like that. So oh, it's yeah. kind of funny that you, you say that you're not like that. And yet, we have actually implemented this kind of like, hey, this is what's going to happen in the next session. We've got this coming up. So let me know what characters would like to do, how they'd like to spend their time, because we've got some travel time, you know, things like that. But I... Well, I'm sort of in between, I think. I'm sort of in between. I... I uh... I'm, I am, we're, you know, we're running the fifth edition adventure, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, so we're, you know, a little bit conceding that it's a, a little bit of a railroad, railroad in that there's a story to tell, but I also want to allow for the freedom for your characters to go off the tracks and uh, do things in a different way, because that's that's really the real story. And you also said there's like ten different endings, so I mean, who knows what we're gonna pick? You probably pick one that's not even in the book, right? Uh, plot twist, it's Spelljammer. We're going to space. I Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. But, uh, yeah, so I, I would 100% agree that it, maybe if, if there was one DM style that I would say that is ideal for me personally, it may be on this end. Maybe. I, I'm still, you know, maybe. I, I have never picked a favorite. I don't have, like, a favorite DM style. I just have a, a collection of experiences that I have um, taken notes on. But yeah, I, I, I like the idea of a DM that is, uh, we'll get there when we get there. I don't really know the details between point A and point B, but we will all find them together based off of character choices and obstacles that are placed in front of you. Um, I think a, a weakness, though, of, of this type of DM, they're it can be a perceived lack of care or a lack of interest. Uh, I know that's, I, I've experienced a 
fly by the seat of the pants DM before. And initially it felt like they didn't care because it felt like they didn't have a lot of answers. Uh, or maybe they they were like, I didn't really prepare this, but let's you know get through it. Uh, for me as a player, I was like, oh, you didn't prepare. Okay, well, uh, maybe you don't really want to be doing this. So I'll, I'll try to go back to where the story seems to be happening. But right. um, I think that is a, that is a pitfall. It is a perceived lack of care. However, I do think that um, like those types of DMs are like you said, uh, a little, maybe a little bit more experienced and have. Uh, a more nuanced capability when it comes to improvisation and yes-anding with players. Yeah, definitely. I I would agree with that. And I, I can see where you're coming from there, where it could possibly come off as uh, a lack of care, but I would hope that anybody that volunteers to sit behind the screen has a minimal amount of giving a shit about the campaign, <laughs> at least, yeah, you know? Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I think that's probably our show. Do you have any? Do you have any closing comments? Any closing statements about these are the DM types that at least I've encountered. Um, I don't know. Have you encountered any other ones? Any any things of note? Notable mentions? No, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, end of the day, we're all here to have have fun and tell a story. Whether that story is more RP centric or whether it's more let's go kill some zombies centric. And uh, however however you like to do it. Um, it can be helpful to know of these different types and uh, knowing how your DM likes to run the game can inform you as a player how you might want to approach each session with your character. Yeah, and, and knowing as a DM with the player types that we've talked about in the past, maybe trying to identify yourself with one of these types that we've mentioned and how either you'd like to change or lean into that type to see how it may bring you successes and bring your your players and your group uh, forward and um, just have a, a better time at the table. As Mordenkainen said, know thyself. That probably wasn't Mordenkainen. Um, it could have been. Those those words probably had, could have come out of his mouth. It, in our canon universe, it was definitely Mordenkainen. Absolutely. As, as Tasha said, uh, to thine own self be true. Uh, and then she dabbed, you know? Exactly, yeah. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Thank you so much for stopping by. And if you like this episode, please check out our future episodes, which are released every other Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Also, if you would like to join us for a conversation or talk about other D&D related content, share memes, artistry, anything that you'd like, we do have a link to our Discord in the episode description. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. See you next time.